Welcome to Inside the Economy with SHNJ, presented by Larry Howes of Sharky, Howes, and Javer. Well, welcome back to Inside the Economy from Sharky, Howes, and Javer. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. The uh, couple of little data points. Overall, we've talked about how well the consumer's been doing. The seriously overdue mortgage number, which is a mortgage that's more than 90 days overdue, is down to about 2.5%. That's a 10-year low. A lot of the mortgage troubles are over. A lot of those underlying securities have been, uh, well, revalued very much to the positive side. And I'm sure everybody has heard that Federal Reserve is going to start selling off some of their assets. They're going to do about a trillion or so a year, starting in about September. That's $25, $28 billion a month. Well, I wouldn't think that's going to flood the marketplace, and I wouldn't make it part of a concern that there's going to be a bubble or a pop in the bond market. The total treasury and mortgage-backed security market today is about $25 trillion. So there's plenty of room to accommodate that kind of stuff. The uh, review of the numbers, there's nothing really interesting here other than the bond rally continues. This is almost a month now that yields have gone down, so the prices have gone up. Bonds have been doing well. There's been a lot of new buys, and the anticipation of the Federal Reserve coming into the marketplace and adding their assets hasn't scared anybody. I think there's enough activity and enough normal budget. Well, budget is a funny word in Washington these days, but just budget incidents that they have no problem selling treasuries. Now, I got a question about how much money is on the sideline, and we've talked about how much money might be going into the stock or bond market at any point. So I dug this up out of Fred, and this is the basic difference between what used to be time deposits, which are short-term CDs and checking accounts, and actual savings accounts. It takes a minute to study this a little bit, but basically what we have now is about $9 trillion in savings accounts and a lot less in checking accounts. That money in savings accounts will probably never leave that savings account. Might go to a CD, but it will probably stay cash forever. Uh, that's not anticipating money. There's a bunch of other money also measured in the trillions on the sideline in money markets, savings and loans, credit unions, so on and so forth. This is just consumer savings accounts. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of money. The other thing here is basically where total debt is. Now, you've heard many times from me that U.S. Treasury debt, U.S. government debt is 100% of GDP. That's about $19 trillion. And that's, on this chart, 100% of GDP. The household number has been dropping since the Great Recession in 2009, and it's now below 80. And the corporate, when they say non-financial corporate, they mean non-banks. The corporate financial debt hasn't been much since 2000 or early 90s. It hasn't grown significantly. It's probably not going to grow significantly. 
most of corporate America doesn't need any money. The, uh, the stock market, speaking of, very, very low volatility is measured on the VIX index. Now, I don't want to dwell on that too much, but this is basically a reminder of how low the volatility is in the four lowest points since the 50s. And that's where we are today. There's not a lot of activity. There's no volatility. There's not a lot of excitement. Uh, there is some forces out there trying to create some drama to get a, a recovery. Uh, hasn't happened yet. We just get slow little daily 1% downs like it was today. I don't see that changing in the near future. However, we have gotten a little pricey. This particular gauge is the 10-year average earnings from Schiller. And the number is creeping higher. The rumors that there will be a break in the corporate tax rates would help this number. If it doesn't happen, there'll probably be some correction involved just with that. The rest of it is that uh, valuations are high. The stock market continues to be robust and bouncy for no particular reason. Earnings are great. They just aren't continuing to grow at the same pace. That's not bad news. Uh, an overvaluation like this can last a decade. It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to be a portent of some kind of tragedy. It's just starting to accumulate. Uh, the S&P 500, well, financials, all the banks have been doing the best. They've gone through a lot of their recent problems, and that's specifically Wells Fargo had some problems selling accounts to people. You know, 35% of that pushes the whole financial sector up a lot. What isn't on here is technology, which has also done very well. Also coming from behind. The rest of the S&P 500, not much. So the story is the same. The Dow is up based on Boeing. And the S&P 500 is up based upon Amazon, Facebook, those guys. There was another question after the presentation a couple of weeks ago of why the dollar has been doing well or flattened or doing poorly. And it's all about traders speculating on where the value of the dollar is going. The dark part of this slide in each currency is the longs, meaning people believe that the dollar is going to get stronger in the past year. It's been a lot of money speculated on where the dollar's been going, and it has done pretty well. As soon as these speculative trades start to dwindle, the dollar flattened. The euro is up to 119, which is probably a little high for the euro itself, but against the dollar, it's very representative of what's going on in the market. And that is, well, the huge boom in the strong dollar is probably over. When you look at that, and I checked with uh, the Commodity Trading Board this morning, there are more short contracts out there on the dollar. That's assuming that the dollar is going to drop and they make money as it goes down. I want to talk about shorts right now. But the market for the dollar has changed. That doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you're an exporter and uh, you want a weak currency if your business is exporting. And I think they're starting to get it. Uh, <clears throat> on another matter, the, uh, the tragedy in Barcelona 
a while ago, was uh, always bad news. Terrorism always is bad news. It is a, a very inefficient and violent tactic. The other side of the coin of that is, well, Catalonia has been making noises about becoming independent from Spain for a couple of years, led in Barcelona, which is where this tragedy happened. There happens to be a referendum that's insisted upon by the government in Madrid that they vote again on whether they want to be independent from Spain. The voting a year ago was overwhelmingly positive of those that voted. And about 40% of the available voters went to the polls. I think the situation has changed there. One, if you look at this chart, when people start getting employed, things aren't so bad. When things were real bad in 2008 and 2009 in Spain and all of Europe for that matter, there was a lot of finger pointing and maybe we better off going on our own. You know the story. That has turned around. Spain is doing very well. They are probably one of the better growing economies in all of Europe, certainly growing better than Italy and France. Nobody's outperforming Germany. But as things cheer up, they get less disgruntled and things don't look so bad. Spain has also been a very, very popular recruiting ground for ISIS and uh, Al-Qaeda and a lot of the Muslim, violent Muslim societies, that's probably turned away too. Their last rally cry for making it popular to join these Muslim organizations is uh, they're going to take back the land of the Moors that the Muslims control for some 500 years, as most of us know. Uh, Spain and Portugal probably don't want to go back to being Muslim countries, that's probably less popular than it was. So their recruiting is down. It doesn't surprise me or anybody else that that kind of incident, pointless violence in Barcelona, is there as a message. And the message is, well, we may have to look for happier hunting grounds, not unlike Turkey. Anyway, we're not uh, avoiding Spain anymore. In fact, you'll see some Spanish assets, certainly Santander, maybe some Spanish bonds in your portfolio. They're cheering up. Well, that's where we are right now. I'll, uh, I'll get back with you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining me. Learn more about Sharky House and Javer at shwj.com. Thank you for listening 